0: Hi and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. I'm your host, the editor of Airline Weekly, Matty Christian, and I'm joined again today by my friend and colleague Ned Russell as we discuss United's big aircraft order last week, what it means for the airline, whether business travel is coming back, and if so, what will it look like, and how traveling in this era of COVID is looking now that people are flocking back to the airlines. Thank you for joining us. You could reach me with any feedback at mu at skift.com. You can reach ned at er at com. Check out our site, airlineweekly.com, for information on how to subscribe. A new issue of the publication drops every Monday, and we update the site throughout the week. Hey there, Ned Russell. How are you? Hey, Madhu. I'm good. Welcome back, and welcome back to all our listeners. We took a bit of a hiatus last week, and we're back. Um, we're back recording the airline weekly lounge. Um, so Ned, uh, a lot happened in the week that you were gone in the wilds of Colorado.
1: That's right. I hear. Uh, I hear it wasn't uh, lacking for news, Madhu.
0: No, it wasn't. A, a certain airline made a made a very large order.
1: <laughs> oh, was it? Was it a uh, PSA?
0: What? No. Yeah. No. It was, it was. <laughs> was it Piedmont? No. It was uh, as you know. We kind of discussed uh, leading up to. Uh, to we kind of discussed two weeks ago. Uh, United had finally announced its 270 air- narrow body aircraft order, which was, uh, which was, uh, you know, the blockbuster. Everyone was, you know, probably the worst kept secret in US aviation. Um, something for at least the last time. month, at least the yeah. last month, and everyone was expecting it. I the scale of it was kind of interesting. Um, but, uh, it you know, there was a lot of happy talk in the in the days following it in the in the news. I mean, I even saw my local news of this huge plane order and all these jobs that United is creating. But as we've reported before, especially you, Ned, I mean, United really had to do this, right? Yeah,
1: you know, uh, looking back, uh, United's fleet has a, uh, you know, it really was smaller and older than American and Delta, so they kind of they really needed to to buy new planes. That's for sure. You know, Looking back at the 2020 numbers, you know, United has the average age was 16 years of their entire fleet, whereas yeah. uh, American adults were both closer to 10. And then you you have at least three types, the A320, 757, and 737-700, which were over 20 years. So there's a lot of need for replacement in United's mainline fleet. It's, and this is even talking about gauge. And United has so many 50-seat CRJs flying to Big cities, so you know that's. uh, There was a lot of need at United, that's for sure.
0: Well, let's get to those fifty-seaters in a second, and just so to remind our our listeners, uh, American is midway or most, maybe past midway through a very large refleet that announced in 2011, right, 470 aircraft. Yeah, four hundred and sixty. Four sixty. Sorry, that you know that it 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 it's reinventing its narrow body fleet. Delta has always been a little bit different, but Delta's average age also is lower than United's. Um, and United had a lot of like pretty long in the tooth, narrow bodies hanging around. Um, so, you know, this was great news. And it was a really, you know, it was a shot in the arm for the airframers, particularly Boeing. Um, and I really what was, what was the
1: breakdown? Madhu? You You covered this while I was out.
0: It was 200 um, maxes of various kinds, um, including the Dash 10, the largest iteration, and 70 um, 321s, uh, Airbus oh, nice. 321s. So, uh, you, you know, United, uh, United is, United's gauge will go up by about 30% on average once this fleet is done. So the average um, number of seats per departure will be up by 30% percent And Ned, you have the facts and figures in your hands, right? I mean, how what was the average seat on departure for United? It was pretty low compared to its competitors.
1: It was. So in 2020, now, admittedly, this was hit by the by the pandemic, but United's average seat per departure was 104 seats compared to American at 111 seats per departure and Delta at 121 seats per departure. So, you know, and United was weighed down because, like I said, they have a lot of 50-seat Regional jets in their fleet because of scope limits, and mm-hmm. so that it keeps them smaller right. than uh, than their competitors. And this has been a long-standing strategy. I remember Scott Kirby talking about this when he was still president of United several years ago about you know flying an inferior product, the a CRJ two hundred to you know, Rochester, Minnesota, and then losing uh, the premium passengers to competitors who fly two seat dual class regional jets or even mainline jets. Um, Maybe Rochester, Minnesota isn't the best example, but Fayetteville, home of um, North Arkansas, home of Walmart. Right. You know, he used the example of a Walmart supplier flying from Hong Kong. Would they want to connect to a United All Economy CRJ when they could fly American over DFW and then, you know, connect in to domestic first on a, a mainline mm-hmm. plane? So it, this is it's not surprising that they plan to retire or, or increase the gauge. And are they retiring some of these small regional jets, Madhu?
0: They are, they are. Uh, they're retiring some of those regional jets, but more importantly, I think, um, at least I find found more more interesting was that uh, it was kind of an acknowledgement that uh, United needed to do something about its uh, how it flew its fifty seaters. Now it's keeping the fifty seaters for some missions, but United had been flying fifty seaters into its hubs, which just wasn't a great use of gate space, you know, staff time. Um, and in slot restricted airport slots, uh, so um, so like was, Newark, exactly. <laughs> so you know, there's 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 going to, according to Chief Commercial Officer Andrew DeSela, there's going to be a rethink on how they use the 50 seaters and where they use the 50 seaters. And you know, they will be needed for smaller markets, but they won't be needed in places like Newark, perhaps. And that's where these uh, these larger narrow bodies will 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 come into come into their own. Um, so uh it's you know they um so ju- I had to look it up I'm sorry but yes uh United will be retiring about 3 uh, replacing about 300 aircraft with its new orders. So it's it the in, in aggregate the carrier is taking delivery of 500 aircraft okay. uh, between now and 2026 including previous orders and of those 300 will be used to replace Existing aircraft, including a lot of fifty-seaters. So,
1: so um, there's, there's net growth. There's a fair bit of net growth in this. It sounds yeah, there like there is. Too, yeah, so, yeah.
0: of that five hundred, those five hundred aircraft, which includes you know a handful of wide bodies that had been. Uh, the,
1: I'd say more than a handful. Forty-five well, A350s in there. You know,
0: that's true. Yeah, th- and actually, those three fifties are not going away. There's been a lot of speculation um, that the three fifty was an order that predated Scott Kirby's tenure, and uh, that. It was sort of a fan, a zombie order, I guess you could say that that uh, United just kept on the books, but was going to cancel any minute or convert into three twenties or something. Uh, it's, but they are keeping the three fifties, which is also interesting. So you know, yeah, you're right. So of these five hundred aircraft, two hundred will be used for growth, and gauge will go up by thirty percent. So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a pretty, you know interesting order and it's also i think you and i were discussing just before we went on the air that uh that it's kind of acknowledgement that uh, delta and american had the right strategy um a few years ago right
1: yeah I, I agree and i think united actually kind of acknowledged that several years ago like i said when kirby unveiled his mid-continent hub strategy but right. you know they're finally getting well they've finally ordered the the mainline planes they need to really realize that that strategy it's uh you know so far it's they they haven't really had the planes, and it's been those one-off deals for 10 used A319s and stuff <laughs> like that. But it, this seems like the order that they've needed and no, acknowledged that they've needed, if not directly but indirectly, uh, for a couple of years now.
0: Yeah, and it's also sort of repudiation, finally, of the post-merger management's belief that you could uh, the airline could cut its way to growth. Oh, capacity, <laughs> discipline. That's yeah.
1: something I, I hope I never have to write too much
0: about again. <laughs> well, capacity, discipline was important in the wake of the 2008 Great Recession when and yes. when oil prices were, you know, $147 a barrel. But, but I think United held on to the strategy a little longer than it should have while its competitors were growing. Right. Um, and it's taken several years to reverse that and a blockbuster airline order. Absolutely.
1: Now, one question, Madhu: Did they talk about why uh, why they didn't order any uh, quote unquote hundred seater aircraft? You know, that's long been a, a rumor for United A two twenty or the E two. Was there any comment about that?
0: You know, very briefly, um, uh, Nacella and, and Kirby were asked about uh, about that, and they just they sort of deflected and said they were they were going to go with larger mainline aircraft. That's what they thought their network could support, and they had the fifty seaters for smaller markets. So. fair enough
1: fair enough though there, I, I think all of us that like to look at the numbers will still see a gap between 76 seats and and whatever their the smallest 319 737 700 is but it's uh, we're not running the airline. so no, we're not yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean there's some other interesting United you know, news that came out the same day although it wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, part of the announcement and that is that United filed with the US securities regulator that uh, it plans to be profitable this year this month in July, for the first wow. time since January of 2020.
1: That is some news. Tell us more about that, Madhu. Well,
0: they were very brief. They said they planned to ha- post uh, you know, a pre-tax profit. They didn't say how much, obviously, but it'll be their first profit in a while. Um, now, I find it very interesting, and I'm trying to pin down the facts on this, but uh, you know, others have set, pointed out that uh, United, along with most U.S. airlines, is benefiting from not having to pay the bulk of its uh, labor bill.
1: That's right. So it's easy to be profitable when one of your largest top line expenses is essentially covered by the taxpayer, I would say.
0: I I would think so. Now, I think the you know they'll have to pay the pipe burns on October 1st because the federal funding expires on September 30th and I don't know from what I'm hearing if there's political appetite for more funding.
1: So I, I have a feeling the current U.S. administration is is focused on other things. It's going to be hard to make an argument for COVID relief when the economy is otherwise coming back quite strong. So, uh, yeah, it, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens October 1st.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one um one um, very interesting little tidbit. And let's get to this after the break. We're back. You're with uh, Madhuni Christian, that's me, the editor of Airline Weekly, and Ned Russell, who covers airlines and uh, all things aviation for Airline Weekly and Skift.
1: Hey again, Madhu.
0: Hey. So we were just talking about United and its planned profits. Now, one thing that uh, Scott Kirby said in a very offhand way um, during the call with reporters last week was that uh, business travel is still down more than 60%, and international travel is down, he said, more than that. So we can guess around 70% if you just like look at the sort of what's open, what's not, where this very Asia-focused airline is flying, or not Asia-focused, but an airline with a huge Asia network before the pandemic. What's open and what's not? You can guess it's around 70%. Now, right. as you and I both have, have covered before, Ned, I mean, United's revenue is a three-legged stool, basically, right? It's a like domestic leisure travel business travel of all kinds, and then international travel, and right. it has the largest, sort of most expansive international network of any of the big three U.S. carriers.
1: Absolutely. And that's been good and bad for it in different years. When uh, pre-pandemic, when the U.S. domestic market was was booming, that, you know, United was eagerly trying to catch up there. And, and now they've said that International is going to be their big moneymaker as they come out of the pandemic. So it's, uh, yeah. But right now, it seems International is still, like you said, way, way down.
0: So there's a lot of happy talk um, coming out of the industry in general that uh, business travel will bounce back to to 2019 levels starting in September when kids go back to school. When schools reopen and offices reopen and people go back to work and they don't have to worry about childcare as much as they did in the U.S. Um, But I'm, call me Cassandra, but I'm a little skeptical.
1: (laughs) About the fall, about people going back to
0: business travel and everything? I am. I'm very skeptical, and I'll tell you oh, why. More I'm do. I'll yeah. tell you why. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's there's a lot there's there's a tension now between large employers and employees who've gotten used to um, working from home, back coming back to the office. I mean, so I was just reading an article about uh, you know three of the largest um, banks in the U.S. Goldman Sachs, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, and um, why am I blanking on the third? Anyway. Bank of America? Yeah, yeah. Have said, you know, employees, uh, workers will have to come back to their offices soon. That that uh I think Jamie Dimon said something like, uh commuting's terrible, but deal with it. <laughs> right? <laughs> but what's interesting is a lot of the European investment banks that have presences in New York are um actively recruiting employees from the US banks offering them the perk of being able to come into the office once a week or whenever they feel like it. So, Interesting. So there, there. I don't know if there's going to be as many people going back to their offices as a lot of the airline CEOs think. That's one thing. The second is, um, you know, I, I, I've talked to friends of mine who are investment bankers. This is anecdotal. But I've also been reading the stats from consulting firms. Uh, I think BCG said it planned to um, – Cut its tra- pre-pandemic travel budget. or expects its its travel budget now to be thirty percent lower than it was pre-pandemic. And as you know, um, consultants are among the most uh, intrepid of road warriors.
1: Absolutely, a number of people I've known that'll go, you know, work on contracts for months at a time. That see them flying back and forth every week is, right. uh, yeah, it's <laughs> sounds tiring, but yes. yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. But you know, th- so that's thirty uh, percent travel budget. Um, reductions is is a big chunk. That's all premium travel that's just right. going to disappear. Um, so there there there's that, and there's also you know this notion that a lot of the are say, well, you know that'll all be offset by these digital nomads who fled Silicon Valley, fled New York, fled wherever, and are living in Boise or Montana or wherever. And they'll go back to their home offices once a week or twice a month or something, and that and that'll offset all this lost business travel. Um, But I'm still trying to square that. How is traveling from Boise to San Jose twice a month going to offset 30% BCG and other consulting companies, 30% reduction in business travel? Can you do that math? (laughs) No,
1: no. Considering everything I've read that this exodus from places like Silicon Valley is, is it's happened, but it's generally overblown it 's yes. hard to see that the numbers there will equal, considering deloitte BCG the large consulting companies I mean their travel budgets are massive, so a thirty percent cut there is a huge cut yeah it's uh, it's going to be interesting because I, I, everything that i'm hearing is business travel from it's going to range from a surge in the fall that then sort of tapers off to a new normal. To you know, it's going to come back, like uh, Gary Kelly said, in, in, in a decade. You right. know, it's uh, it's really an interesting question, like where we're going to be. There is appetite, but yeah. like I, I, it feels like there is going to be some kind of reset. Uh, you know, some is uh, plenty is going to come back, but not all. But and the pace, the pacing is really a question.
0: Right, and here here's an important mm-hmm. distinction. I think you know. So you, if you hear the a lot of the airline CEOs talk, they said there's pent up demand to for bit, people to get back on the road. That is absolutely true. I know you really want to get back into business <laughs> travel, Ned. I, I personally that is become, true. I don't deny it. I don't <laughs> I, deny it. I personally have, have grown to to love not traveling, but you you want to get back, and and you know, and that is true. There's a lot of pent up demand. It's I'm I'm, I'm an anomaly, but um, but there's that pent up demand. Running into against uh, companies' sa- chief financial officers who've go- grown very, very comfortable with smaller travel budgets. So, th- I mean, made...
1: I, we speak from experience, Madhu. We we there's <laughs> appetite, but you know, budgets aren't back. So it's right. uh, yeah, it's and it's
0: yeah. Someone I was talking to last week, uh, just sort of a anecdotal um, uh, conversation, said, you know, the that. Uh, it at his company it just seemed very unlikely to he was he thought it was very unlikely that the um, CFO would restore the TNE budget to anything like the 2019 level at least for a couple of years because All right. All right. you know the, i mean anything
1: i feel like you go out enough years from a crisis it's going to you know, things will grow back but yes. you're right, it's yeah
0: and especially when companies have seen they can, they can actually do business over zoom i mean it may not be optimal but they can do it so i can see why the bean counters would say well you can do it so why do one of the things i've heard
1: a lot about is that internal company travel is probably going to drop off very little will come back so external travel is likely to come back a lot faster is that something you've also been hearing or i've definitely heard
0: that i've definitely heard that sales uh, sales calls will go back probably to some degree you know not probably not to the same level it was 2019. But you're right. I mean, I've heard that internal travel is just gone. Trade shows, it might take a while for them to come back, especially abroad in countries that are not vaccinated. And we've got to remember, you know, even like, I think I just heard this morning that the continent of Africa, only 2% has been vaccinated. That's more than a billion wow. people, right? Yeah. Uh, um, you look at Japan. I mean, Japan is is considering... A, having I was going to have the Olympic games very shortly but I think single digits of the population has been vaccinated um so I mean we we can be blinkered here in the US and we're very lucky that we're you know things are reopening but for the vast majority of the world things are not are not looking right. very good right now right. so I, you know trade shows probably will take a while to come back I think there will be more movement from what I've just been hearing anecdotally like companies that have gone fully remote We'll probably have some kind of offsite every quarter or, you know, yeah. but uh,
1: but that doesn't replace, uh, you know, regular all the regular business travel one offsite a quarter. You know, no. like you said, it's a, it's it's still a reset down from where it was pre pandemic.
0: It certainly does not replace the kind of business travel of, you know, say an investment banker buying a walk up fare from New York to London for for two nights. Right. For two nights of meetings that that it right. doesn't replace that. And from all, everything I've heard, that travel is just gone, at yeah. least in the near term. And I've heard from people I know in, in finance that they're being encouraged to take lot fewer but longer trips. And that seems to be the mantra, at least through next year. So right. once again, I mean, um, you know, that that walk up fair, that hypothetical walk up fair we just described from London or New York to London paid a lot of the airlines bills.
1: It absolutely did. It was a, you know, I don't remember the numbers but, you know, com- compared to the number of reservations it was a significantly higher portion of uh of revenue for an air for airlines across, you know, any major international airline, you know, business travel was a high proportion of yes, revenues versus bookings. So, yeah. you know, that's going to be it's going to be an interesting shift especially in the US as as federal support, you know, comes off in October. It'll be interesting to see where airlines are at.
0: Yeah, and the other dynamic that I really haven't heard addressed, but I, I think it's worth asking, is what happens in September, after Labor Day? The Labor Day holiday in September here sort of marks the end of summer in the U.S., and usually schools reopen right around that time. So, uh, you know, people... By all accounts, and we we can get to your recent experience. By all accounts, everyone's flying all over the country now, going to Disneyland and 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 hiking in in Yellowstone or doing whatever it is. But they're going to be doing less of that when school <laughs> opens.
1: Absolutely, you know it's uh it's I mean the airlines uh, like you've heard are betting that business travel will be back, but it's going to be interesting to see if they run up against the wall that we've been talking about the the CFOs that are saying no, we don't need to do quite so many trips uh, right away. Or if if they'll be back and force like airlines are hoping, it's it would be interesting because we saw last year airlines even though the 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 vaccines weren't out yet at the end of summer capacity started rolling back again. Mm-hmm. Will we see the same again this year? And the question is is not you know, normally capacity does come back after schools go back in a session, but what needs to be looked at is if it's a greater percentage than what we saw in twenty nineteen. Is it is it a higher? you know, a greater rollback than normal. And, uh, I, you know, only time will tell as schedules are still flexible uh, one or two months out. So it's it's too soon to, to really say what the falls going to look like. But, you know, we have uh, second quarter earnings coming up. So we'll start to get some some firm guidance on this in the next couple weeks.
0: Yeah, we will. It should be interesting to hear. I mean, Delta kicks it off next week. Um, it's always kind of a bellwether for me. It'll be interesting to hear what uh, what Bastion and company have to say uh, with uh, what they're looking for the fall. I mean, I spoke to Gary uh, Southwest CEO Gary Kelly last week and he said something like uh no one's smart enough to be able to predict what's going to happen after the pandemic. Uh, he's been sort of a lot more circumspect than his his peers. So I think it'll be uh it'll be interesting to hear what kind of happy talk or not so happy talk comes from these earnings calls the next couple of weeks. So, Absolutely. <laughs> well, in the few minutes we have left, you traveled this last week.
1: Yes, I uh I was went to Colorado for the July 4th holiday for for the week uh, and July 4th and so I got to taste uh, an experience taste and experience how busy airports are this summer in the US at least with with travelers and and I can say it felt like pre-pandemic travel, frankly. Yeah. All of my flights were full. Uh, you know, Airports were crowded. I only I only passed through Washington and uh, the Denver airport, so I only saw two on this trip, really. But you know, they were bustling, really hmm. bustling. So it's uh, you know, the numbers according to TSA numbers, screenings were were about a, down a twenty percent to twenty five percent compared to twenty nineteen. So you know, the numbers aren't there, but you couldn't see it. At, you know, I went through two hub airports, and you really wouldn't be able to tell that they were down down a quarter compared to two years ago. Huh. But yeah, it was. Uh, you know, the one thing that's still missing is is uh, you know, a lot of the in flight service isn't back yet. So, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, traveling with a toddler, it meant making sure to come well prepared with lots of snacks because <laughs> <laughs> there's no buy on board or anything. So, oh you know? wow,
0: okay, yeah, so... yeah,
1: not yet at least, at least, uh, yeah, yeah, on the airline I flew.
0: And were there any choke points or any new security? Um, regu- any new annoyances with security or? was it no pretty, pretty you know uh, uh,
1: my family and i traveled pre-check so it was it was smooth going through you know regular security looked a lot more uh, the queues were longer but i can't say that it was particularly painful you know it didn't look terribly long there were no queues out into the parking garage or anything so you passed through relatively easily um it was smooth but it, it, started, it definitely felt like uh like like you know back to normal um uh, full planes yeah wow. what can you say
0: well welcome back um so that that's a wrap for us here at the airline weekly lounge uh, if you have any feedback for me you can reach me at mu at skiff.com you can reach ned at er at skiff.com uh check us out airlineweekly.com and you issue drops every monday and we update the site throughout the week we welcome your feedback and thanks for listening thanks madu have a good one goodbye Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Should you have comments or questions, drop editor Madhu Unikrishnan on note at mu at skiff.com. Of course, check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.